great job, Jeff. Thank you, Lori. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful way to uh, to engage. Uh, our spiritual warfare is with is with praise, and so when God's people pray and praise. Um, uh, the enemy has to flee. So we're delighted that you're here today. We always want to welcome you. My name is Danny Forsheed, pastor here at Great Hills Baptist Church, coming up on 12 uh, years here shortly. And um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thank you. It's coming soon. So um, uh, we do welcome you online. I know many of you guys and gals uh, participate with us in uh, various places across the world and especially in different uh, states across the uh, United States. We, we welcome you and we're glad that, uh, that you're with us on this, um, uh, in this series of messages that were entitled, uh, Winning the Battle in Your Mind. This is the fourth of five sermons uh, that I'll be preaching on this subject. Of um, I had no idea to, when I began this series of messages to my daughter told me, she said, Dad, do you know that May is Mental Health Month? Uh, in America, and I, I, I did not know that. Honestly, did not know that. But God knew that, and God put these sermons and messages on my heart, uh, from my heart to your heart, from my mind to your mind, that would offer you hope and encouragement, uh, because all of us um, are in a battle. Everybody wages the battle in their mind. Uh, some of you do it a little more skillfully and with more victories than others, and so I want to come alongside of those of you like me who struggle in this area and offer some words of, of encouragement, and not just words of encouragement, but some real tactical, practical ways uh, that you and I can become victorious in the battle of all battles, and that is uh, the battle in our minds. And we, um, yeah, we do have an enemy, right? We have an enemy that seeks to, what Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill uh, and to destroy. And the enemy's very good at all of that triumvirate is his, stealing, killing, and destroying. But conversely, Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it in uh, abundance. And so uh, that's what we're talking about today is winning that battle in our mind. The protagonists and the antagonists are going at it. And, and the sphere, the battlefield, if you will, uh, is in the mind of man, the mind of woman. It is such a an amazing creation of God. You know, when God created the world, everything he created, he closed it up by saying, that was very good, or this is very good. But when he created us, when he created mankind, woman, man and woman, in his image, he said it was what? It was very, very good. And why is that? Because we're created in the image of God. We have that rational ability to, uh, to think, uh, to process, to send people to the, to the moon, to perform open heart surgery. I mean, we have that kind of intelligence and that capability. Uh, God has given that to us. And he's also these, these minds, these minds are so complex and diverse. Uh, and it is in the sphere of the mind uh, that we find ourselves waging war against good uh, and, and bad, against light, uh, against darkness. And so today's text is really it, arguably the preeminent text when you deal with um, anxiety and fear and phobias and worries and those kind of things that we all battle. Uh, this probably is the preeminent text. And when we grasp this text and understand it, uh, we will be in a better position to uh, stop losing and actually begin uh, winning. Wouldn't it be great if you would cease to give up your territory and your land 
And then you would actually begin to take land or take territory uh, back that is entitled uh, to you. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 3 through 5 of chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, uh, 3 through 5. And the title of my message today is called, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And I, you can go ahead and say, Brother Danny, that is a great title. And I would say, I, it's not mine. I, I, I you know... Uh, stealing is such a harsh word. Let me, let me say I just borrowed this uh, title from uh, Louis Giglio, who's a pastor in Atlanta, the Passion Church there. And this book is a phenomenal book. It's called Don't Let Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, the Table of Your Mind. He builds the whole concept on the 23rd Psalm. I do recommend you get the book. It's, it's fascinating. It's a wonderful read. And he, he shares with you and with me, the reader, how the table is for you and Jesus. And he builds it around the 23rd Psalm. You know, he, he prepares a table before me. Uh, it's just me and God in the presence of our enemies and whoever those enemies may be. Maybe the enemies attack in your mind. And so he builds this whole concept around the fact that we're there with the Lord and we are not to let the enemy come into our table, the table of our mind, because whenever he comes, and by the way, he wants to come. He wants to, he wants an invitation. You know, he wants to creep up to the table and whenever he comes, he brings lies and destruction and difficulties and fears. And all of this happens, trans, uh, transpires in, in our minds. So really hoping that today uh, this encourages you and it equips you and equips me uh, to do battle there in, in the sphere of the, of the mind. All right, here, you, here it is. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, we are human beings, right? And I, but our, our, as human beings, we're fleshly. You know, we have bones and, and, and sinews and, and muscles and, and, and brains and hands. And, and, and we are in this realm of the flesh, right? But Paul says, even though that's true, we are human beings in the flesh. That's not how we war. That's not how we win our battles uh, that we face. For the weapons of our warfare, he said, they are not carnal or they, not, they are not of the flesh, but they are dinatos. It's a lot like the word dunamis in Greek. We are, but dinatos in God. For pulling down all these strongholds. Now you're gonna notice the military metaphors sprinkled throughout our text, the strongholds, casting down arguments and the high things, right? The every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The first thing I want to ask you today is what does this text mean? When you read passages of scripture like this, it's really a lot of things going through our mind, you know, intellectually, theologically, philosophically. We're, we should be really grappling with this, saying, well, what, what does this mean? Well, well, Paul's telling us, first of all, what it doesn't mean. He's not talking about howitzers, M16s, nuclear warheads. He's not talking about um, the weaponry of, of mankind when you're in a battle on the battlefield uh, with, with your enemy. He's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. However, just as that is very real, and some of you have fought in the military, and you absolutely know this is real. 
that there is an enemy out there that's seeking to kill me and I've got to defend myself and to defend my country and defend my family. And Paul would say, that is right, that there is an enemy and there is a war going on, but that's not what I'm talking about, he said. He said, that, that's, that's of the flesh and that is a very dynamic and real world. But what he's saying is just as that is real, there's another world that's real. Y'all following me? There's another world out there. It's a spiritual world, an emotional world, uh, an intellectual world. It's a, it's a dynamic world that exists between good and evil. And Paul says in, in Ephesians, he says, you know, we, we're wrestling, but not with this, not with flesh and blood, right? But we're wrestling against wickedness and powerful uh, demonic spirits in the heavenly realm and and oftentimes, you know, we, we don't see the effect of that on us physically, right? But we do feel the weight of that and the temptation and that desire for that which is not healthy. Or we, we, we receive these, these enemy missiles of thought that, that, that land upon our minds. And, and, and so this whole text talks about how you and I can deflect that, do battle with that so that we could walk with peace and, and walk in joy. So what does this text mean? Let's walk through it together, okay? Uh, I'm gonna go to it and we'll just kind of walk through it and we'll give you some, um, I hope some things that, that will open your eyes to uh, the text, what it's actually saying <clears throat> and what it's not saying. And then I'm gonna be very practical with you and, and just give you some real pointers, which I hope will help you recognize some of the lies that we all are tempted to believe. And then toward the end, I'm gonna give you um, a Normandy D-Day illustration that I think is going to bring it all together, uh, that we are not, we're not fighting uh, toward victory. We, we're literally fighting from victory. All right? I want you to keep that, keep that thought in mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare, uh, they are not carnal, but they are dynatos. Uh, the word means powerful and strong. For doing what? For pulling down. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this in the margin of your Bible or in your notes. It says, pulling down literally means demolition. It means destruction and even extinction. Um, the, the weapons of our warfare are so powerful that they pull down. Uh, Paul later will say they cast down. And then later on he says, and they actually can bring into captivity every evil thought and temptation that may come our way. He said, well, wait a minute, if our weapons are not those M16s and those nuclear warheads and those F-22s, if that is not our weapons in the battle that we're facing, what are our weapons? Thank you so much for asking me. Can I tell you, our weapons are the Word of God, the power of prayer, the people of God, the church of God, uh, the armor of God, the Holy Spirit of God filling us. These things are our weapons. And Paul says they are far more superior than any material, physical weaponry you can imagine in your mind. Now, if you're here today and you're like, well, I don't understand any of this. I don't get any of this. I'm not sure any of this really even exists. Well, let me tell you, my friend, it exists. It exists and it's very palpable. And it's, and it's very real for us, those of us who know Christ. You know, when you did not know the Lord and when I did not know him, I, I was really oblivious to this whole thing about spiritual warfare. Uh, I, I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. But I, man, I didn't know, I didn't know Jack until I had Christ come into my life 
And it's kind of like when I was in high school in a little bit of college when I played football. Don't laugh. I know you look at me like, that's impossible, but it, 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 it's possible, and it happened. And when I sat on the bench, nobody messed with me. It was a phenomenon. I just sat there and everybody was on the battlefield and they were knocking each other out, tackling each other, clawing each other, banging on each other. And, and I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. I was oblivious until they called my name. Forshe, number 41, go in there. And I'm like, whoo-hoo. So all five something, 130 pounds, I go running in there and ooh, come on. People's, people start coming after me. It's like they're trying to hurt me, you know, and they were jumping on me and tackling me and, and I was them and I was like, oh, this, this is what it means to be in the game. Are y'all in the game? Are you in the game? If you're in the game, what I mean, you're, you're on the battlefield. If you're walking with Satan, you are no threat to his kingdom. He's leaving you alone. <laughs> Somebody said, if you haven't bumped into the enemy lately, it may be you're walking with him. But when you're walking against him, then you're going to understand what I'm talking about today. It's not physical at all. It's much more powerful. It is in the emotional, spiritual, dynamic realm of existence. So we're walking through this text, verses 3 through 5. One writer puts it this way. He says, you know, Paul is using all this military uh, concept, and I'm quoting him, this uh, Dr. Garland, when he says, Paul appeals to the three stages of the campaign in ancient siege warfare. Number one, you destroyed defensive fortifications. Number two, you take captives. And then number three, you punish the resistance when the city is finally brought into submission. Paul likens his opponents to mutinous resistors holed up in the city of Corinth and miscalculating that their ramparts and their battlements will protect them. Everyone in the ancient world knew this. However, that the advantage was always on the side of the attacker with his siege engines and not with the fortified city. No matter how well defended cities might be, they would eventually fall to the resourceful and determined general. How much more is this the case on the spiritual level when the city is up against God's weaponry? Human bulwarks and parapets, no matter how high and lifted up, they can never withstand the power of God. End of quote, very well said. Verse five says, we cast down these arguments. We pull them down. Um, it, it means to take hold of them and destroy them as in siege warfare, as the attacking enemy would go toward the fortified city. And, and the author's right. Eventually, the fortified city falls, doesn't it? It's surrounded. They starve the inhabitants of the city. And then they, they die or they, they try to flee. And when they flee, they, they're captured. And, and, and what he's saying here is that's, this is the way it is, not only in physical battle, but also in spiritual battle. There is no power that can withstand the power of God. It will fall every single time because the power of this world, the devil, pales into comparison to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in control. He is God. He created the universe. He owns it all. Yes, the enemy is a formidable foe, but the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in 
this world. You have overcome them, little children. And then he says, we bring this into captivity. We seize it. We capture it. We bring every thought under the control, under the obedience of Christ. Every thought, every accusation, every temptation you face, every harsh missile that Satan hurls toward your mind, you can deflect it, you can overcome it, you can take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's what that text means. That's a whole lot of my study, a whole lot of my week just went into about five minutes, 10 minutes. But as always, and I offer this to you, if you want this manuscript, you're welcome to have it. Uh, we, we keep them every sermon I've ever preached since a long time ago. Uh, we keep them and, res- and we have them on file. And if you want it, you want all the Greek, you want all the quotes and the research. I do a little mini research paper every, every week and uh, just pray to God that it comes out uh, in a way that, that speaks to you and encourages you. But uh, Kathy Jones, thank you for making that available to them if they contact you. Don't charge them $20, just, just charge them $10 for this, for this manuscript. Y'all know I'm kidding, I hope. Number two, how can I apply these truths to my life? Now, right, isn't that right? And that question number two, that's, that's, what, that's why you're here today. I know you appreciate, the, some of you are geeky like me and you like history and, and theology and, and Greek and those sort of things, but most of you are like, yeah, thank you for doing your research, but what in the world, how, in the, how am I gonna make it? How do I make it through this life? How, how can I apply these truths, and I believe them to be true, how do I apply them to my mind to my spiritual well-being. The devil is relentless. He does not leave me alone. I've given my life to Christ. How do I overcome? How do I apply these, these truths? Well, let me give you a passage of Scripture that, that will encourage you while it also simultaneously equips you. And it's 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read it to you. I think it will come up on the screen in a minute. Okay. How can I apply this truth to my life? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So you're knowing more about God today. You're learning about God in the spiritual weaponry, in the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare. So God bless you, Great Hills Baptist Church. You're you're listening in, you're leaning in, and you're being instructed, and you're being taught by a soldier, me, of the cross, who have battles, who have wounds, many, many mental lesions on my spiritual mind, on my mind. So you're, you're learning really today from an expert. <laughs> I wish I wasn't an expert. I wish I had not walked through and walked through depression and anxiety. I, I wish that was not my lot in life, but it is. And what I have found through the truth of the word of God, an absolute liberty, a release from captivity, as long as I remember what God says in his word. I don't know about y'all, but here's where I get in trouble. I get spiritual amnesia. Can I get a witness? Does anybody know what to do, but oftentimes you fail to do it and you get yourself in trouble? All I see are halos around your heads. God bless y'all. Man, I wish I could be like y'all, but let me just speak for myself. That's where I get in trouble. I know oftentimes what the truth is, what I must do, but in my moment of weakness, I acquiesce and capitulate into that damaging thought, and it has a way of emotionally uh, paralyzing me, and almost until I go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Take it captive to Christ, and obey the Word of God, and don't, don't listen to that, and don't be influenced by that. 
Grace and peace to all of us be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given to us, I hope y'all are reading the same Bible I am, all things. Can y'all say that? All things. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. Y'all with me? Knowledge is power. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given or it has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these great and precious promises, Peter says, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Escaping. We don't have to be enslaved or in bondage to corruption, but we escape this corruption that is in the world through lust. Here's how you can apply these truths. Here's how I can apply them. Number one, remember it is a table for two, not three. Don't give the enemy a seat at the table of your mind, at the table of grace. Um, so remember, it is a table for two, not for three. The enemy, the devil with his demonic uh, hordes at his um, disposal, he's going to speak lies, he's going to speak um, half-truths, and he's going to uh, come in, as, as Louis Giglio says, he, he wants to gain access to your mind so he can destroy you. He wants to get inside your head so harmful thoughts can be planted within you. Those thoughts will grow. Those thoughts will grow unchecked and they will spill out into actions. The devil is vicious and cruel and he's always prowling around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour and that somebody is you. End of quote. So recognize that. Realize that. Um, that. That when you are engaged in the spiritual battle of the mind, if you, if you capitulate and you give in to the lust, to the temptation, it's going to create havoc. It's going to create destruction. It, it'll be accompanied with fear, guilt, shame, worry, depression, suicidal thoughts, cutting yourself, wanting to cut other people. I mean, it's, it's just like this avalanche. You say, but what in the world? Where did that come from? That comes from the enemy, the pit of hell. That's where it comes from. And it's real and it manifests itself in the words we speak and the actions that we engage in. But it all begins with this implantation of the seed, this thought, this idea that creeps into our mind. So remember, Keep in mind, devil, you're not welcome here. This is, this, is, this is not a table for you and me and Jesus. It's just a table for me and Jesus. Number two, resist the lies and replace them with truth. Do what Paul said. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, replace the lies with the truth. This is what Jesus did every time he was tempted by Satan. He would respond take that captive. He would take that thought captive. He, he, it's like Jesus is like, I don't have to listen to this. I don't have to put up with this. In fact, devil, take this. Bam! Boom! He'd quote the Bible. He'd quote the Word of God. That's how Jesus overcame Satan as he was fully God, fully man in Matthew chapter 4. Okay, so here's what I want to encourage you with. Be on the lookout 
for these familiar lies that Satan will tempt you to believe. And Pastor Giglio, I give him credit, very, very helpful here. I'm gonna give you about four lies just so that you'll be aware of it and you don't fall captive to it. Number one is the lie of comparison. You know, it really is a dangerous thing when we compare ourselves to others. Look, when you go on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter world, Mr. Elon Musk, when you, when you go to that world, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find people, they don't have a care in the world, man. Their lives are rosy and, and uh, I mean, everything is just grand. And you and I look at that life, which is not the reality. I don't post my sad face on Twitter or on Instagram. I don't, I, I post happy times. You don't get, and y'all may look at me like, that guy never has a worry in the world. That's just not true. Let's, let's not, let's not look at and compare ourselves with what we see on social media. Because when you do, you're always going to come out feeling very negative and inferior, or you're going to feel the opposite. Well, she's not near as pretty as I am. Bless her soul. Maybe she's got a good personality. I mean, you, know, you ladies, you're, you're cruel. You're, you're mean sometimes. Or you guys, you're looking at that. Well, he thinks that's a nice car. He ain't seen nothing. He ought to be checking out my car. You see, what you're doing is you're comparing yourself with them. And it always ends in a bad way. And I think the enemy just loves that. Go ahead and compare yourselves to one another. We shouldn't do that. That's a lie from the pit. Number two, the lie that you are doomed. Mm. Boy, I'm guilty of this one. Does anybody ever relate to this? Oh, it's just awful. Oh, it's just terrible. I'm going to go eat some lemons and suck on them and die. It's just awful. You know, life is just terrible. How are things going? Terrible. It's terrible. And my wife recently called me on this. She said, I don't know if you realize how often you talk about all the things you have to do. And I was like, snap. Why does she call me on the carpet like that? Well, I just got so much to do. I got to do this and this and this. I just got so much to do. Is your wife like my wife? She's like, well, grow up. <laughs> Come on. You know, yes, you got a lot to do. You're busy. So get, and I'm like, it's kind of like, well, thank you. You know, it's just kind of like, that's, that's really good. You have somebody that loves you enough to speak truth to you. Pastor Giglio says, so often when we are asked how things are going, we reply with answers like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Man, I, I'm not sure I'm going to survive this semester. I don't know if I'm going to get through this time. Rest assured, the devil is at your table. Y'all all right? He's at your table. He's at my table. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine Steve Gaines, I love him. He's pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church, and he's, he's such a good man, a godly man. When he went to his church to pastor, it was, it was awful. It, it, was, it was awful. And he just about didn't make it at Bellevue Baptist Church, following the legend of Adrian Rogers. And, and he just, but he made it. He lived to tell about it. And we were in a meeting one time, and, and I was sitting at his table, and I don't know if y'all know Steve Gaines. He's preached here before, so he's like 6'6". Six, six. He's, a, he's a big dude, right? He says, well, how are you doing? I'm like, man, you know what I'm saying? 
man. And I could feel him just looking at me like, how are you doing? Well, not too good. You know, I, you know, in fact, Steve, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to lead anymore. I just, I just have lost all confidence as a pastor. Ooh, he lit into me. He didn't say, I'm so sorry. I, I know how you feel. It's just really hard. Ministry is just really hard sometimes. He said, that's Satan. I was like, what? He about scared the baby jibbies out of me. He goes, that's, and there's people around and he's looking at me going, Satan, that is Satan. Don't listen to that. That's a bunch of lies. God's called you. He saved you. He's given you all the confidence you need. Now go lead. Do y'all have people like that in your life? Man, those kind of people are like, they have our best interest in mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil because God is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. That is just the opposite of I am doomed. Line number three. Some of you are like, Please stop. I'm, I, I, need, I need a break. I need to leave. I know you're not going nowhere. Stay right there. <laughs> the lie of worthlessness. That's a big one, right? One, it's a big one. The devil tells us all the time, you're not enough. You'll never measure up. And I like what Giglio says here. He says, all right, look, listen to this. When the devil throws you that, here's what I want you to do. Lock eyes with Jesus at your table. There's no scorn or shame in his eyes. Only love and compassion for you and me. Notice his scars. The scars that are holding the pitcher of water to pour you a refreshing drink are hands that have nails pierced in them. Sure, Jesus' holiness personified, but the Holy One invited you here. He booked the table. He prepared the meal. He sat down to join you, and this reservation cost him his life. It cost him everything. Lock eyes with Jesus. The fourth lie is the lie that there's no way out. This lie combines all the other lies. This leads you to a point of desperation. This leads you to a dangerous place where you're, you're going to hurt somebody. You're probably going to hurt yourself, like Miss Judd last week. It, it's out that she literally took a gun and blew her brains out. She believed these lies. Life is not worth living. I'm doomed. I'm hopeless. It's just horrible. The only way I can get out of this is to take this, this route. I was talking to a good friend of mine here in our church recently, and, and we were just talking about some of the challenges that we face, our church, face, our church faces. And, and he just looked at me across the table, and he goes, <laughs> he said, there's always a solution. Can I speak that truth to y'all for just a minute? Those of you who are thinking it's, you're doomed, you're hopeless, there's no way out, there is always an out. Jesus always has a door open. We just got to walk through it. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is when the king of Aram, he's an enemy of Israel, he came to silence the prophet Elisha. 
because because God would whisper things to Elisha and Elisha would go tell the king of Israel the battle plans of the king of Aram. And the king of Aram says, whenever I go fight Israel, he already knows I'm coming and he defeats me every time. Who's telling him my plans? And they said, it's that prophet dude. God speaks to him and he goes and tells the king of Israel what your plans are. He goes, we're going to kill that dude. This is Brother Danny's paraphrase, all right. This is the message Bible from Brother Danny, okay. So they show up, full battle array. They surround the home of Elisha at night. And the morning comes, and poor Elisha's servant, he is freaking out. He is, he is petrified on steroids like a lot of y'all. Fear has totally overcome him. Elisha's asleep. He gets up, has his breakfast. He's smiling, spending his quiet time with God. Y'all know people like that? Do they not irritate you? I know. He's just like, chill out, man. Chillax. God's got this. No, you don't understand. Elisha, the king of Aram has sent his army. We are in circle. We're doomed. We're going to die. And Elisha says, God, just show him. Open his eyes, oh God. And he, he opens his eyes and he goes, there's chariots of fire all around Elisha's house. God's armies are dispatched and the, and the servant goes, we good. <laughs> he said, we good, Elisha, we are good. I'm not worried about, and God delivers them. You're not doomed. I'm not doomed. Great Hills Baptist Church is not doomed. There's a door. There's an open door. And God says, come. Go through it. So here's the story of D-Day, June 6, 1944. And what a day. 4,400 Allied troops died. But all five Normandy beaches were secured. And because we won that battle, we, the Allied troops against Nazi Germany, because we won and secured the beaches, here's what happened. In the following days and weeks, the Allied troops will bring to the harbors of Normandy the following. 2.5 million troops. That's a lot of troops. They are storming the beaches of Normandy. They're pouring in. The beachhead has been destroyed. Y'all have seen the movies. Y'all have read the stories. Two and a half million troops come pouring in France. A half a million vehicles. <laughs> I'm talking tanks and trucks and armor and weaponry are pouring into France. Four million tons of supplies. Come on now. Germany, they ain't got a chance. But battle still had to be fought. The Battle of Paris had to be fought. The Battle of the Bulge had to be taken. Germany had to be taken. You say, but, but D-Day changed everything. If y'all realize if there wasn't a D-Day, we wouldn't be here. Do y'all realize that? I just want you, let me just let y'all think about that for just a second. 
Sprechen die Deutsch? No, just ruminate on that for just a minute. If that didn't happen, you wouldn't be here. It, it was a matter of time. But we went, we fought, we won the battle of all battles, but there were still skirmishes. Is anybody following me? At the cross, Jesus won the battle. It was D-Day. He severed the head of the enemy. You ever cut a chicken's head off? I have. I'm a country boy from Alabama. I know how to wring a chicken's neck. And when you wring a chicken's neck, that thing goes floppity-flop, whackity-whack. That thing goes crazy, flapping his wings. They don't have no head. Some of y'all look at me like, you are crazy. I'm telling you the truth. Snap a chicken's head off and watch that thing just, it'll scare you to death. You're like, wow, that thing is flapping. Is it going to get up and fly? No, because it ain't got no head. The devil ain't got no head. He's going down forever. He will roast in the lake of fire. Why? Because Jesus Christ cut his stinking head off. He's flopping, he's moving, he's tempting, he's telling us these horrible, stupid things. Many of the times we believe them, but his days are numbered. Glory to God, the victory is won. All right, do this, and I'm done. If y'all help me, do this. Here comes the thought. Number one, cast it down in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. This is not of Jesus. I am not going to listen to that. Cast it down. Number two, bind it inoperable in his name. You have no power over me. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I know what you're tempting me with, and I know you're telling me I'm worthless. I know you're telling me I'm stupid. I know you're telling me I'll never amount enough. I know you're trying to tell me that, and you fill in the blank. What does he tell y'all? Well, she probably won't bother you as much as your wife does. Why don't you hang out with her a little bit more? Where in the world do you think that comes from? That comes from the pit of hell. Well, you know, he's, he works a lot and, you know, he's, he's just not really a provider like I thought. You know, I deserve more. Where do you think that comes from? Did you, did y'all, are y'all with me? That is not flesh. That is not a weapon of this, of this. This is not somebody hitting you in the face. This is something much more powerful. This is the enemy of your soul telling you this stuff. C-R-A-P, stuff. I got stuff in my head. I want to say it, but it's not God telling you that. He will never tell you to do something stupid to run your family, to run your testimony, to run your, your, your witness for Christ. That is not of God. So listen to it and go, oh, that's not of God. Binding it inoperable. Number three, I hope this helps you. Just say, the Lord rebuke you. Jude 9, Michael the archangel said, mm, I ain't messing with you. The Lord rebuke you. You do that and watch what, watch what'll happen. And finally, do what Jesus did. You gotta quote the word of God. There's nothing that will withstand this power. And when you quote it, 
Now, I'm not talking about just, where, where am I get my Bible? Let me get my U version. Wait a minute, devil, hold on just a second. Where in the world is my Bible? Now, you need to memorize. Man, I've got me some weapons into my little head. And the enemy comes at me, I can say them. Boom, boom, boom. And they're much more powerful than any nuclear warhead. I mean, this is the word of God. <laughs> some of y'all are like, I think you lost your mind. I, and you said you had mental illness? I really believe it. I, I don't know what all you're talking about up there. This is real. This is the battle for your mind. I would invite you to, to, give, to give your life to Christ. Some of you have no power over temptation because you don't know Christ. And Christ knocks at your door, right? It's like, hello. Come in, let me in, let me in, let me, let me help you. Look, I died for you on the cross. Here are the scars. I rose from the dead. I can conquer Satan. You can't do it. So let me in your life. Let me in your thought life. Let me in your soul. Let me in your inner woman, in your inner man. And some of y'all need to do that. You say, Jesus, I surrender. Come into my life. Some of y'all need to do that for the very, very first time. Now stay with me. You see up, it's 12 o'clock. No, it's not just 12 o'clock. It's exactly 12 o'clock. But is there anything more important that you could possibly hear than if you surrendered your life to Christ today, he would heal you, he would help you, and he would empower you to win every, y'all believe this? Every single battle. Those of you that know the Lord, let me encourage you. Let me walk alongside of you. I, again, I am, I'm a fellow pilgrim and a sojourner. Uh, I have good days and bad. I have three steps forward, two steps back. Praise God, I'm inching forward. I just had a thought. Mm. That's a good thought, Jesus. Thank you. Be faithful. Because in heaven, there is no depression. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. It is life. It's all I've got, Lord, and it's all I need. Thank you, Lord, for the call, first of all, to be faithful, to not do something stupid, and, but to trust in you with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. But in all my ways, acknowledge you, knowing you will direct my paths. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over whoever, Lord, she is sitting in this room. God bless her soul. May she know, God, she is enough. She is worthy. She is beautiful, Lord, inside and out. There's nobody like her, Lord. God, you created and you fashioned us in your image, and so we are highly favored and valued, and I'm praying for her. And I'm praying for him, Lord God. The battle is raging in his mind, and 
He seems, Lord, it seems that there's victory is not to be had, but it is to be had. And I'm praying that you would grant him the victory. Lord, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord, from, a, from my own place here, my own brokenness and my own struggles and battles, knowing that. And Lord, just tell them, tell them, God, tell them if I could stand up here today and do what I just did then they can surely do whatever it is you want them to do. Because it is a miracle, God. It is a miracle what you do with us as we surrender our lives to you. And I'm going to pray for you now as you're, as you're out here, maybe you're online and, and you've bought into this app. Many of these apples, they look luscious and delicious, but they're all lies. The live deception and worthlessness and I'm doomed and I'm comparing myself to others. Don't. Just put that apple away. And now fill your mind with the word of God, with truth. Declare truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You will keep me in perfect peace, O God, because my mind is stayed on you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh forever. For in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm asking our staff if they would and our decision counselors and, and others that would want to come to the altar. And as you make your way to the altar, I, I'm going to invite you if you're here today and you need somebody to talk to, to encourage you, maybe just say a prayer over your life. We're going to, we're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing. And that is your cue. That is your opportunity to come. If you're a lady, and you're like, I'd rather pray with a woman. There will be a woman up here. There will be a lady up here. If you're a dude and you're like, I want to pray with a dude. Well, there'll be some dudes up here. And we'll just pray with you. And we will encourage you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.